This episode is for mature audiences only. If there are any younglings in the room, please have them leave. Men of low moral fiber. I don't think you should drink that. Hello. We can stop now, Ben. Consider I was wrong and stupid. On sets. It makes me feel great. Friends. But it would be nice to be able to, to stab him in the throat. Can I keep a ten toy souvenir? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Okay, we're done here. We're done here. That was fun, guys. All right. I like it. Hey there, lords and ladies, and welcome to the eighth episode of Men of Low Moral Fiber, uh, the show that just can't get that dang cowboy to leave it alone. No, seriously, like, like, just get out of here. I, I don't even know your name, but you won't stop talking to me. I'm trying to braid Marjorie's hair. Every time I'm just lying around, you're trying to fill my coal up and talk to me about all these rumors. Come on, Tom. Anyway. On uh, today's show, uh, we're talking star-crossed lovers, medieval warfare, heart-wrenching deaths, sometimes literally, uh, and we're talking about all of it with my big bro and co-host, Jason Helms. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing all right. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. It's been a pretty good day, uh, getting some work done, taking a little break to, to do a little podcast. It's, it's fun, yeah. Uh, you got school coming up pretty soon, right? I think by the time this comes out, classes have started. Classes started yesterday, um, but I don't want to tell you when that is, uh, although you can do the math if you're listening at home to find out when we record these things. Sometime in August. Yep. Uh, yeah, so today we, uh, we're going to be talking about a game that's a little bit of a sidetrack compared to what we normally talk about. Uh, it's actually the first game we've covered from this current century. Uh, it's a little newer than our usual shtick, uh, we, but we thought that it kind of matched up pretty well with the style and the lore of those old LucasArts games that we usually cover. So what are we talking about today? Yeah, and the first game, not just of the century, but of the millennium. That makes it feel way more important. Epic. Epic. (laughs) Uh, We're talking about Telltale Games, a Game of Thrones series. Um, I think... Yeah, so so the next question is, why are we talking about this game? Good question. Um, We're going to get into that more when we talk about the history of Telltale. Uh, But Telltale has some roots in LucasArts, and that's one of the reasons. Uh, the other reason is we wanted to do something more contemporary, uh, something that more people had access to that you didn't have to go find a way to download and then install through three different computers to play, uh, but something you could play on your phone, play along, that mm-hmm. really had the spirit of some of these older games. And uh, Telltale lines up with that. A lot of the same developers crossed over from LucasArts, and it's a nice adventure game that we can play along. Um, plus, hey, Game of Thrones, really fun. Yay, Game of Thrones. Yeah, so... Uh, I think the biggest thing to apologize for this, other than this is for mature audiences, so our, our normal six-year-old listeners can't listen, I guess, uh, is that it's it was like 25 bucks. So yeah. that's you know, kind of a pain compared to the normal ones, which we either find free online somewhere because they're so old, or you buy them on Steam for three bucks on a sale or whatever. So right. uh, we do apologize for that, but hopefully some people were able to, to play this game. But uh, yeah, so today we're going to talk about uh, Telltale Games, how they got started, as it kind of branched out from LucasArts. Uh, Then we're going to do a quick overview of the history of different Game of Thrones games over the years. Uh, Then we'll get into Telltale's version specifically, uh, kind of how and why they made it, how they got into the Game of Thrones. Uh, And then, of course, we'll talk about the actual playing of the game over the past couple weeks. Uh, And then we'll play some What's the Beer, What's the Song, like usual. Uh, And then finally, we'll end things talking about the game that we'll be playing next. So sound good? Sounds good. All right, so let's start talking about kind of Telltale games. You touched on it. Uh, But yes, they're an independent uh, video game developer. They started in uh, 2004, and they started from kind of an exodus of three uh, LucasArts uh, developers 
or de- designers, three LucasArts employees uh, that were planning on making the sequel to Sam and Max. They were working on it for a couple of years. Sam and Max hit the road, I believe, in 1993. This is almost 10 years later. They're working on the sequel. It fell through, and the rumor is partly because of that falling through and then spending years on developing this game. They were just like, you know what? We're going to take all of this stuff we've learned, all of our skills, form a new company in Marin, call it Telltale Games, and start kind of making our our own games. Yeah. Hey, um, I didn't find this in my research, but I'll admit I didn't look too hard. Any idea why it's called Telltale? Oh. I, I guess because they tell tales? I was going to say there. I mean, they, they – and we could talk about this – a little later too, it's just kind of the story emphasis of their, their games. They're the less focus of the, the vehicle of the gameplay and more just kind of telling stories. And that's kind of what they've done. They, they're known for making, if you haven't heard of telltale, they're known for making these like serial type of episodic point and click adventures. Uh, they are based on really popular titles. So they don't have a lot of, uh, intellectual property themselves that they've created, but they've taken things like back to the future, Jurassic park, the walking dead, uh, they're working right now. I think Minecraft, the story, just came out recently. Batman just came out, episode one. Uh, and then they have also taken uh, titles from LucasArts, made them into series, uh, Sam and Max and Monkey Island. They've done the most recent games of those, which we've played, and have just done a great job in keeping with the style of LucasArts. What do you think the story of Minecraft is? I mean, I anytime uh, I, I play it, Pat I see Oswald a lot of romance. Brian and Posehn are both in it. Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah. I, I guess that, I assumed I no that. Uh, Patton Oswalt starring as a creeper, I figure. <laughs> Probably. Starring as a nerd. Yes. And uh, if you can't tell, Jason and I are both old, so we've old. never played Minecraft. I, I heard that creepers are a thing in Minecraft. Is that a, is that true? Oh, I, I thought you just meant because Patton Oswalt is a creeper. <laughs> no, jeez, no. Patton Oswalt's <laughs> great. Like, no, I think that dude. the zombie things in Minecraft are called creepers, but uh, <laughs> I didn't I'm sure that. we'll get some fan letters telling us, nope, nope, that's wrong. You guys are old and dumb. All right. So, yeah, more history. We won't delve too much on this. Or we won't spend too much time on this. But it was founded by uh, three guys, Dan Connors, Kevin Bruner, Troy Molander. Uh, and they all formed or they all were former LucasArts employees. Uh, and they'd worked on Sam and Max, a couple other, a bunch of other LucasArts games. Uh, and they formed Telltale in 2004. Uh, and it's the original staff and still a lot of people that work there. If you look at their, whether it's their IMDb or their Wikipedia page or whatever it might be. A lot of them started at LucasArts either as testers or as um, art designers or something like that and have kind of graduated, got the promotion when they moved to Telltale, which at the time when it started was a much smaller company. They were able to get that promotion, become either lead developers, lead designers, storytellers, whatever it was, uh, and kind of take on the games themselves. Yeah, and it's been kind of cool as we play some of these old games to see names that are more familiar to us now um, in the credits in uh, yeah. you know more below the line yeah. ways. And some, something that I noticed, I played the Walking Dead game in 2012, I think it came out, the first one. Uh, and it seemed like since then, all of their games have looked the same, in the same style. And they're all, for especially for an iPhone, they're gorgeous looking games. But I looked it up and almost all of Telltale's games are are you, are you uh, based on their Telltale tool. That's what their game engine is called. And they use it in almost all their games. It's based on Lua scripting. And basically, they just use this everywhere. And it's just a really efficient uh, script language or a really efficient game engine that kind of lets them build these giant worlds, let people interact. So if you get this kind of continuity between all their games, it's because they're using the same exact game engine. Yeah. Yeah. And it creates that kind of signature house style uh, that they get known for. But it also, 
uh, I imagine on the inside helps them streamline things and make sure everything is uh, right. working just right. It's uh, it's scum for the new millennium. Yeah, and that was something, I don't think I have a quote for this, but that was something that I learned in reading a couple of interviews was it seems like everyone in the company, it seems like uh, like LucasArts was in the 80s and 90s, with like a very cohesive, um, just a lot of like teamwork and just kind of everyone's working on everything at one time. There's not necessarily like teams factioned off. There's not the Game of Thrones crew over here and the Walking Dead crew over here, but they're all working on things at the same time. I'm sure it's not exactly that black and white, but it seems very uh, collaborative. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Uh, throughout all of the games they're in, which is, seems like a really happy place. Yeah, so we actually had the pleasure of getting mixed up with Telltale well back in uh, 2008 at San Diego mm-hmm. Comic-Con. Um, one of our first kind of professional interviews that we had done. Um, and uh, even though we were old, we were younger then and felt sure. uh, very new at the thing. Yep. So um, Telltale was working with Steve Purcell. They had tried to buy the rights to Sam and Max from Lucas Arts and weren't successful, and so they went straight to T- Steve Purcell himself, the creator of Sam and Max, the characters. Um, although Which I like the idea that they were trying to buy, was it Sam and Max Hit the Road? Is the, yeah. the video game? Yeah. They're trying to buy the rights to that video game, were denied, and we're just like, all right, I guess we'll just go to the Sam and Max creator so we can do right. whatever we want. Right. And if I remember correctly, I won't remember his name, but uh, I believe it was Steve's older brother who actually created St- Sam and Max, and Steve oh, really? bought the rights from him. Yeah, and he, and he bought them in some kind of clever way. I w- I'll go find it on our Wikipedia later, but it was, you know, made okay. him a sandwich or uh, right. gave him his old car or something like that. It was something funny, awesome. and I enjoyed it. That's awesome. Yeah, so that was actually, I mean, I'm just going to geek out. That was a highlight of my life. Uh, totally. Sam and Max, super influential on Ben and I. Um, both the video yeah. game and the comics that created them. Sam and Max were featured in the old Adventurer magazine that came with every LucasArts game. Mm-hmm. And they had their own comics that uh, Steve Purcell wrote. And I had a copy from the early 90s whenever he published it, uh, a signed copy uh, mm-hmm. with a little Max drawn on it, which was fun. And um, it, ooh, I got in so much trouble for having that comic uh, when I was in middle school. There's swears in there. There's swears. Yeah. Uh, and uh, luckily it didn't get taken away. It got, you know, it, it got put on probation because I took it to school and got in trouble there. Uh, but but I found it again and uh, I dug it up a few years ago. and It was just as much fun. That comic is really, really great. Yeah, it's just solid. And yeah, so Telltale's kind of gone through over the years and taken other people's uh, IPs and made these episodic adventures with them. And recently, Kevin Bruner, who's the uh, CEO of Telltale, uh, one of the original founders, uh, said that they're actually working on a game right now, over this past year, actually, that's their original intellectual property, a game, a universe that they've made. So it'll be kind of exciting to see what they're doing in the future that's not just taking – I mean, there's nothing wrong with taking a world that we all know and love, a show, a book, a comic book, whatever it is, and making that into an exciting video game. But it'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm really interested to see what they create at, kind of out of nothing and turn into one of these um, serial kind of adventures. Yeah, critics tend to get down on fan service and, uh, you know, yeah. hey, I like that video game. I want I just want another one just like that. Right. But um, as a fan, I kind of like being serviced. It's uh, it's nice to get things that I want. Um, and uh, so, yeah, thanks, Telltale. Yeah. Yeah. So let's start diving into Game of Thrones specifically. And we're going to cover the five best, I guess. Some of them were pretty bad. Uh, kind of the, the five um, biggest uh, games in Game of Thrones history. 
Uh, the first one was in 2003. It was the Game of Thrones board game. And actually, they've made a bunch of new versions since. But it's based solely on the books. Um, and it's it's really for game or for not just Game of Thrones nerds, but for board game kind of experts, aficionados. So, uh, and, so if you're uh, a, a Game of Thrones nerd and a board game nerd, then you <laughs> and all 12 of those people right. can all play right. together. You got to turn your phone on silent because I'm sure it's blown. Oh, it's sad. OK, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, apparently the game relies very little on uh, on luck or like rolling of the dice. And it's just reward strategy, which is, yeah. I think, the coolest kind of game. It's not Absolutely. just kind of like, hey, what'd you roll? Oh, you lose. Sorry. Oh, no, I'm to- uh, I, I made that joke, but I'm totally in. I want to be the 13th in that group and go play this game. <laughs> uh, and then there's a couple others that I, I haven't played any of these. So I, this is just me researching, looking at YouTube videos. Uh, there's uh, a real-time strategy one that's based, again, just on the books. came out in 2011 called Game of Thrones Genesis. Uh, and it's based like thousands of years before the the events of the books and the and the show so apparently there's just no characters other than a few last names that you'd recognize or that i would recognize uh then there's an rpg that came out in 2012 just called game of thrones that's like it looked like an assassin's creed type graphics which i was blown away that i'd never heard of because it looked like a triple a title kind of big game um then there's one more official game of thrones game called game of thrones ascent which you can actually play now i downloaded it the other day and started playing it and it's a social game. So, oh. like, what's that farm game on Facebook? Farmville. Farmville. It's basically Farmville, but for Game of Thrones. Okay. It I looks, might have gone with Clash of Kings for the comparison then, but that's yeah. That's probably no, a better deal. comparison. I don't play social games. I would. I, I don't look down on them. I, I like... Ben I doesn't play well with others. <laughs> exactly. That's what it is. I would play them if I had a little more free time or, or could justify it, but they or seem friends. like the most addicting thing possible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're built that way. And yep. so, yeah, you you know, you upgrade your your armor, your weapons, that kind of thing. You get money, fake money, and you build fake things, and you beat up your friends. I don't know what you do, but it seems <laughs> like it's super fun and super addictive. Uh, and then the last one, I sent you a link to this one. This one looks the coolest. This it's looks called, really cool. Yeah. It's based on the game, or it is the game. Uh, Crusader Kings 2 came out a couple years ago, I think 2013. Uh, it's a grand strategy war game is the genre, which I'd never heard of. I didn't. I thought it was just RPG or strategy game. Um, it's, it's just a mod for Crusader Kings 2 where you it puts it, it remaps everything in the game. Uh, and that's the story. That's the graphics. That's all the characters, all the storylines and maps it to Westeros. Yeah. So you they, can be Ned Stark in Robert's Rebellion fighting, you know, doing all these things. Um, and it just it looks like the show come to, or like the book come to life. Yeah. They built Westeros for this. It's really, really impressive. Crazy detailed. Yeah. So yeah. Um, a variety of games, but of course, none of those are as great as the one we're talking about. Uh, so let's, let's jump in. Uh, talk to me about how this, uh, how this developed. Yeah. So I read a couple uh, of articles, um, a couple of interviews of people three years ago, three, four years ago when they were First, when Telltale was first reaching out to HBO, talking to David Benioff and D.B. Weiss and the HBO uh, CEOs and people and Game of Thrones showrunners uh, and talking about first wanting to get in kind of on the ground level of a Game of Thrones uh, video game that was kind of a step above those previous games that weren't more well acclaimed, I guess. Uh, and so like they normally do, they're looking for well-built stories that are already developed and already had kind of a strong built-in following. So things like Walking Dead, Borderlands, Game of Thrones fell perfectly in with that. Uh, and it seems like they they have, the more I read about Telltale, it seemed like they had a really kind of strong 
value system. And even though it lost, and they admitted this, even though it lost the money over the years, but they weren't willing to sacrifice those ideals, which is why a lot of these games, a lot of the way they make games look really similar. The stories look really similar uh, because it seems like they haven't sacrificed their ideals to make the games they want to make them. And even though it's lost the money, it's probably made them a better company yeah. as a result of all that. So uh, one good example is a quote actually that from Steve Allison, uh, who's the senior vice president of publishing at Telltale. And this is back when they just started making Game of Thrones two, three years ago. It's on why they wanted to do large-scale, episodic, story-driven adventures. So he says, uh, we have this mission that we're philosophical about. We want to bring truly interactive stories, bring in the television model for storytelling, and let people interact in a way that traditional gameplay doesn't let you do when you're running around and just blowing shit up. That's not what we're about. Once we got to a certain place with this company where we started working on all the things we were working on, we're in a place to handle that in a way that doesn't compromise our quality. Uh, the way we do things and the way we design from a structural standpoint, not everyone agrees with, but there are no compromises on the way we do anything on these series. Playing the game should feel like watching the show, and we'll, we'll be making a lot of decisions the same way the showrunners do, referring to Benioff and Weiss, the showrunners of HBO. So I thought that was fascinating. That kind of encapsulates a lot of what I think about Telltale, and it answered a lot of questions I had along the way in, during playing the game, and it just kind of made a lot of stuff make sense when I read that quote. Yeah. And I think, you know, as I was reading about this, I found that there were a lot of fans who were really passionate about it. And there were a lot of people who really, really hate uh, the Game of Thrones series. Uh, They're Telltale fans who don't like Game of Thrones uh, or Game of Thrones fans who don't like the Telltale series, um, but have very strong feelings on it. And I think one of the biggest critiques is that it it doesn't feel like a game. It feels like a a show that you're watching, that you can make decisions every once in a while, choose your own adventure. Um, But that was also the goal. So it's you succeeded at doing what you wanted to do. I just didn't want you to do it. Um, right, right. But they were pretty clear about it throughout. I mean, if you're not interested in that, don't play it. That's OK. Right. Uh, but they definitely succeeded at what they wanted to try to they wanted to do. Yeah. And it's it is interesting how the and we'll probably talk about frustrations later during the gameplay. But whenever I did get frustrated, it wasn't necessarily at the story as much as it was. I wanted to be able to control my character and run over here and run over there. And that's just not what this game is. This I game wanted to is, fast forward the credits or fast like, forward the like credits. I do on HBO. That's that was my frustration. <laughs> That's true. They are very long credits, but it was, I, it was great credits. Let me be clear. They nailed it. They nailed the feel of it. Uh, but, but, you know, it gets long after the third time I've seen them. They the goal of this game wasn't to have a game focused on, hey, here's a world you can run around and be in Game of Thrones. They, they already have a few RPGs for that. <laughs> but this game was basically built to tell a story. And I think if you yeah. played the game, it's very clear they're telling a story. You do have a little control along the way, but this story more or less, maybe until the very last act of the last episode is going in this direction and you can kind of choose who you want to be friends with along the way, but that's kind of the most control your character has. Otherwise just sit back and enjoy the story. Yeah. And so with that, let's, uh, let's stop talking about it in the abstract and get into the story itself. And, uh, we should say be warned spoilers ahead. What was your kind of what's your initial feedback when you finish the game? Good, bad, positive, negative. What were you what were you feeling when you finished the game? I texted you as soon as I did, and I said, "Wow, I really love that game. Nice. Um, it was yeah. really fun to play." Um, and that's 
it's been weird doing this uh, podcast because it's kind of turned video games into homework. Sure. Um, and so that it doesn't always feel fun. Sometimes it's, you know, working to try and do this or do that. Right. Um, but I, I always wanted to come back to this Game of Thrones game and uh, get back into it. Um, some kind of overall vibes that I was impressed with um, were the way that it really took on the spirit of the TV show uh, and the books yeah. so that um, yep. characters you love and that you think have tons of plot armor and they'll be fine, uh, they just die suddenly. Oh, and poor Ethan. poor Ethan. It's it's so much more shocking. Ethan's death is shocking, shocking, shocking <laughs> because <laughs> – you're playing him when he dies. Yeah. And you you can die at times during the game and just rewind, you know, to the last save point and it's fine. Uh so when you die as Ethan, I'm thinking, "Oh, I must have done something wrong." Right. And the realization that I haven't. And I've been making decisions as Ethan, whether whether they panned out or not, whether they matter. I'm the lord. They, I'm the lord yeah. of Ironrath. They mattered to me. <laughs> and there's all these little things popping up that say, "She will remember that." My, yep. my sister told me to never change, and I promised I would never change, and now I'm super dead. Yep. Um, and so I guess I never changed. <laughs> whoops. Uh, Should have changed. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, there's more throughout. It goes on. Um, I'm interested in talking probably most about Miras when we get a little bit later in sure. the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the options there. Um, but uh, but for now, let's jump into some some other stuff and talk about the gameplay itself. Yeah, so I think the initial – so, yeah, real quick. I love the game, too. I, I mean, they're – it's nice playing a game that isn't 20 years old sometimes. Have a little reprieve from that and just kind right. of enjoy a modern game. I can just play on my smartphone and pick up and play for 10 minutes here or there, and I don't have to download an emulator and, and all that. So uh, so that was nice. I think it took me three or four episodes. It took me the majority of the game to get to a place where I could enjoy it and not constantly be frustrated at that kind of illusion of choice that I had right. and this like lack of control. But right. I think if I'd done research first and realized that, and even though yeah. I've played the first two seasons of Walking Dead, uh, it's still, I think it just took me playing three f- full Telltale games to get, yeah. get to the place where I was like, I just need to enjoy the story. I can piss off people. I can be friends with people. It doesn't really matter. I'll pick the yeah. choices and just pay attention to the story. And once I got there, it was a lot more enjoyable. Uh, but it was always frustrating. And this happened a couple times per episode. Whenever there was a choice, there was two options. And there's always a freaking time limit on it. Yeah. <laughs> Five seconds to figure this out. Um, where you could do both things, but you had to yeah. choose one. So the first one yeah. is in the opening scene at the Red Wedding or in the camp yeah. around the Red Wedding when it says, choose one, save Bowen or save Lord Forrester. Yeah. First of all, they both die no matter yeah. what. Yeah. I played the intro five times. Yep. Uh, second of all, why can't you be like, Bowen, let's go and go save Lord Forrester? Because if you save Bowen and if you do that, Bowen gets a spear through his head. If you save yeah. Bowen, the next thing you do is go to try to save Lord Fort. So stuff like that happened a lot where it felt pretty futile in making the choice. Yeah. But if I really put myself in the mind of the character, yeah. those are his two options. That That's the choice that I believed. You know, do you think that like, maybe it felt futile because, you know, they had the feudal system at that time during Game of Thrones? Very futile, like a peasant. Yeah. Yeah. Like a peasant, right? Small folk. Like the small folk. Uh, but, you know, if, if – was it Garrett? If he actually thought, hey, I need to save either Boren, Bo- Bowen or Lord Forrester, right. he doesn't know that you could do both. He doesn't know blah, blah, blah. I, that right. helped a little bit. But there's a lot of frustrating things like that. That was probably the most frustrating thing in the game. Well, I, it, with that particular one, and I, and I wondered because I, I didn't try and save Bowen at all. I was like, no, yeah. screw him. He's, he's kind of he's a, jerk. a jerk. Yeah. 
Um, and then at the end of the game, there's a reference to it. Uh, I can't remember if it's in the credit sequence where it says, and you didn't even save Bowen, your friend. Or <laughs> it's like the if first it's, thing you did. Or if it's um, Garrett when he's kind of thinking back on his adventure or exactly what yeah. it was. But but there's some reference to it. It's like, oh, man, they remember that? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't save Bowen. My bad. But again, that doesn't affect anything for the entire it like, other me. than that. It affected me like, in my heart. Story-wise, that, does, that just affects your guilt maybe. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's an, another thing that was kind of frustrating. And again, we're we're picking nits here, but I wish that there was a thirty second back button. Yeah, which I understand why they don't have that to an extent. Right. They don't want everyone to just kind of figure out every single option along the way. Um, you know, if it's like stab Ramsey in the throat or don't. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah let's do it. And I found out yeah. I think sixty five percent of people didn't. I didn't. Yeah, what like, happened? Shocked. I was like, of course, everyone wants to kill him. So I tried yeah. to do the. The um, to go against the intuitive thinking there and, and not, but apparently that's what everyone. Uh, so neither of us stabbed him in the throat. No, I wonder what happens. I assume you do, and that it's a success, and Ramsey dies, right? And everything works out. And then they, they erase him from the HBO series. Yep, exactly. Right, but only when I watch. <laughs> exactly. Yep, it's a very expensive game. Yeah, but it would be nice to be able to, to stab him in the throat, and like he probably stabs you or something like that. But and then be like, oh, okay, I'll undo it and go do the thing I want to do. I think that would just be a much more enjoyable is not strong enough but enjoyable i think that'd be a more enjoyable game can that quote make it into the intro what's that it it would be nice to stab him in the throat <laughs> the, the delivery was so good it, it would be nice to just stab him in the throat yeah <laughs> and then nice. like undo it 30 seconds later yeah 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 or if they're or even just to build <laughs> yeah, 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 uh, yeah, like a save game system to save yeah. a game along the way and then do yeah. a, a branch off of that and to go back and do another branch off of that save game well they did that have really the nice. change change save game slot um but i didn't play with that at all did you i did yeah but that was only that was a brand new game you couldn't save certain points along the way oh, that was like it. hey if got hannah it. and i want to play game of thrones she can open her she can path have and i can open my right. path and play separate right. so uh yeah anything else uh gameplay i'm looking through my notes um, there were the choices but I, I also really liked the battle scenes um True. i actually thought yeah. when you're fighting or doing something like that it always felt intuitive yeah um and that's that's tough to do when you've got the same controls for swinging a sword or picking up a pot or rolling over mm-hmm. or you know to control all these different things and you don't have a control in your hand. Um, and so using the tap controls, I think, was really effective and, and worked well. Um, you got to go minimalist on the iPhone. So, um, yeah, it works. Yeah, it did seem like we talked about this earlier, how the the gameplay This is one of my main takeaways. As I was thinking about as I was playing it was it, it was nice to see that the gameplay wasn't the focus. And there were those things that when you're running around right. swiping down or someone, something's on top of you, the cart's on top of you and you're like pressing, 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 tapping it to get it off or whatever. But there, there's, there's so many games like uh, star Wars games, like X-Wing or whatever, when the goal of the game for the player is to basically just like fly an X-Wing, which is the most fun thing ever. Right. Or like Goldeneye to be able to be a spy, to shoot rockets at baddies or to play Assassin's Creed and be able to scale any building or like the most extreme, any like sports game you buy Madden, yeah. Not to like be whoever, not to be Odell Beckham and to like find out what his life is like, or like his story, his girlfriends or whatever. But you play it to play football. Like the gameplay yeah. is the point of that game. And I tried to tie in your whole zoo hand and height, forehand and height, Heidegger oh, theory gosh, here no. of like, what is the hammer? And if the hammer breaks, it's the gameplay. I couldn't quite do it. Kids look that up yeah. later. 
Uh, but yeah, oh, definitely. <laughs> it was cool to see how the gameplay in Telltale's in all of their games, but in this game, uh, was super minimal, which I guess is yeah, also just called. There were minimal. very few moments when I was, <laughs> yeah, there were very few moments when I was uh, snapped out of you know my focus and my just complete um, uh, being wrapped up in the game. Yeah, and um, I noticed it once. There was one time where uh, a character walked by, and there was like a hole in I think their neck between where their neck and their shirt connected. And I could see the background through it. You oh, know, one yeah. of those little things where a polygon, you sure, know, misfires sure, sure. or whatever. That's how polygons um, work. Yeah, that's how polygons Just work. Just impacted on it the didn't surface. Fire right. like, a, like a photon yeah. cutter. <laughs> impacted on the surface. Yeah. <laughs> and it was amazing to actually see that, to be broken from it from a second, because yeah. it made me notice how uh, enthralled I was yeah. uh, with the game. And how much I was just, you know, focused on it. Um, I was just thinking as you were talking about that, that it actually, I think, is a better adaptation of the books in a way than the show is. Because the books are all, if you haven't read them, uh, every chapter is from a certain character's point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, the first chapter might say Ned. And then everything in there is from Ned's point of view. And it's not Ned saying, I did this and I did that. Right. It's just focusing on that character. And you notice it places, for instance, uh, one of my favorites is Cersei's chapters. Um, it's so much fun to see the world like Cersei mm-hmm. does. So in Cersei's chapters, she is just a brilliant strategist and she's always doing the best, smartest things yeah. and everyone else is evil. So in Cersei's chapters, Ned is an idiot and he's evil. And so it's so fun to actually see characters you love through the other person's eyes. So when we play the game, you actually get to control a character and there's a lot more of that. Um, I really would have liked it if there had been more of us playing as enemies. Mm. If we'd found a way where I'm playing as a white hill. Yeah. Right. That would have been interesting oh, that's true. Uh, to really throw it off. And um, as we go towards death, maybe choose between a white hill and a forester when I actually like both of them. Um, yeah. You know, maybe I don't side with the forest, the white hills morally, but I find them a more interesting character or something like that. Uh, so that yeah. would, would have been an interesting thing to do because the books do a little bit more of that. Yeah, that's true. I, I- I think there's a lot of a lot of good writing. You think of characters not being pigeonholed, not being static characters, not being just one thing. They're not the stereotype of just an evil thing. Game of Thrones, because then they just become uninteresting and a stereotype, right. um, and not a person, not a not a character anymore. So, Game of Thrones, the the show. I haven't read the books. The show does a really good job of making Ramsay, who's the, the most evil, Joffrey too, uh, but I think more so Ramsay, making him fully evil like there's no part of me you're like yeah. oh i could see why he did that no that doesn't happen yeah. but also fascinating at the same time yeah so he's rarely just yeah. a stereotype because he's so unique right but he's also not choosing between right and wrong constantly which is kind of the yeah. how you're told to tell the story of bad characters basically if antagonists yeah and there's a couple nods in the show to say you know this is how he turned out this way true um which i, I think is helpful yeah but um, it's also you're never like, yeah, and anyone in that situation would just become Ramsey. It's like, nope, nope, he's a special kind of guy. That's true. Yeah, so, yeah, you touched on it. I think in episode six, it was nice to see – and we compared notes as far as like the choices we made along the way. But it, it was nice to see choices that I made actually have a huge effect on the story the last half hour right. of the game. Uh, right. And whether that was staying to defend the North Grove or whether that was – Choosing to be, and this was in episode five, choosing to uh, leave Asher or Roderick behind to die. And I told you which one I chose. So you were able to choose the other. So you were able to kind of go along different paths. But even then, I chose Asher to live. 
And from there, you could choose to fight you, at Iron Wrath. You could choose to uh, surrender. You could choose to poison them. After you choose to poison them, you could choose to like to unpoison them again. Like there's so many paths that maybe all of them of you that. couldn't go down. But the yeah. I looked at a bunch of YouTube videos, and there was a there was hours worth of story that I didn't get to see because of the paths I chose. Wow. Wow. I, yeah, I, I let Roderick live. Okay. Um, and it's funny, we talked about this and I, I really decided based on story reasons that I thought Asher had his redemption by raising the army and coming home. Yeah. That was enough redemption for him. Roderick really hadn't had any redemption That's a good yet. point. Um, he had, he had gotten a little bit better. And my, my and reason real quick to, to leave Roderick yeah. behind was I probably should have kept him alive. But I was like, well, these people that I brought over from Essos aren't going to follow Roderick. They're yeah. only going to follow Asher. So sorry, Roderick, you're going to have to die. Didn't really work out. But. Yeah. And don't worry, I had to work hard to get them back as Roderick. Oh, really? Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There were some speeches and, and things like that. Bloody pits and speeches. Uh, but luckily, luckily, my player, Roderick, knew what Asher had said earlier. So I kind of hit on the same lines. Nice. Well done. Talked about more of the glory of battle rather than you should follow me because I'm your lord. Did he and Beska become good friends? Uh, they got along. They had they had some conversations. Yeah, um, it, it was nice. Both of them feeling like, you know, he he was our brother, uh, and that was kind of a it was, it was a really nice death. It's important for Asher and Tabesca. Oh, geez, I want to know what what happened at the end um, for you. So for me, uh, the same thing happens just with Asher instead of Roderick. You're on a horse yeah. riding off, yeah. and yeah, okay, all right. You get there in different ways. Did you try to assassinate one of the White Hills in their camp? No. Oh, um, yeah, story. I went to the camp. Uh, yeah, that, that's the one I did. Oh, okay. I went to the camp yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, and and snuck in with uh, my whole um, horde of uh, pit fighters. Yeah. And uh, the pit fighters started chaos, and then I went after them and saved Ryan and, and killed them. Awesome. Oh, and Beshka ran off with Ryan. Yep, that happened to me too. That happened to you too. Okay, so Beshka and Ryan are, are hanging out. But also, so I looked up, we both, as Mira, let's dive into the, the Mira story. Oh, yeah. We both chose to not marry, what's his name? Um, Morgan. Morgren. Morgren. Mor- Lord Morgren. Margarin. We chose Margarine. to not marry him. Uh, but I looked up a video online of someone marrying him. And oh. you go, you, the next scene after you say you'll marry him, the next scene is is also at the guillotine or the whatever that place is called, the oh, chopping block. Yeah. Uh, but instead of you on the chopping block, it's Tom. Wow. So they kill Tom and they say, does wow. anyone, can anyone stand here and give evidence to this man's wrongdoings? And then Morgan goes, my wife can. <laughs> looks oh, no. And you just nod your head and he dies. Yeah, you don't say it. You just nod. Yep. It's yeah, so bad. It. Tom was the worst. Tom. Sorry, Tom. Oh, little cold boy. Um, uh, let's, well, let's talk about Mira uh, more yeah. broadly because she was the only playable female character. Is that right? Yeah. I, think you're I right. can't remember any others. Um, yeah, you were never Talia. You were never Lady Forrester. Beska, Lady Forrester. Yeah. So something I'm interested in. I'm teaching a class right now on uh, video games and gender and sexuality. Right. Shout out to my two o three o three peeps right now. Two o three o three. Two o three o three. So it, I'm interested in you. Know, I'm, I'm thinking about this, and I, I think about this in other games we talked about uh, in Secret of Monkey Island. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I'm always interested in how female agency works in games. You know, we have a tendency to just every character is male. Uh, If there's a a woman, then she is um, the trophy, the thing that we're going after to save, uh, something like that. She's the damsel in distress. Uh, And this really, I think, did steer away from that. Um, Mm. If there's a a trophy in this game, it's Ryan. You know, it's it's your brother uh, and it's a child instead. Um, 
we actually, you know, we got to play as a woman. So that's as opposed to Secret of Monkey Island, where there's female agency, but it's happening off screen. Mm -hmm. So there's a, a critique in Monkey Island that's great about how all these stupid games are about saving the damsel in distress. And then you find out you've been playing the whole game and the damsel was not in distress. She had it covered. Mm -hmm. She's the only one who really knows what she's doing. Yeah. That's funny. That's a great critique. But it still doesn't fix the fact that you don't get to play as a woman and actually do things. Right. Um, and so I was thinking about that with Game of Thrones. Um, you know, what did we do as Mira? And it was good. You got to do a lot of stuff. Uh -huh. uh, simple reading might be that, you know, yeah, but she was always conniving. She was always convincing. It was more womanly, the plane, when you were her. But she full on stabbed a forester guy in the back. Um, not in my you know, story. She, not in your story? Oh, you, did, you didn't gonna... ever stab anyone? Oh. Um, yeah, I she, played the she game did twice. Physical so things as well. One time I stabbed him. The other time I was yeah. like, well, what happens if you don't stab him? What happens if you don't stab him? <laughs> he basically kills Tom and you run away. Oh. Tom gets oh. away and the next day talks to you and he like just like glares at you. That's the only oh, nice. difference in story. He's like, yeah, nice. I had to kill him. Yeah. Like, all right, nice. cool. All right, cool. Thanks, Tom. Keep going. Sorry, with Mira. So, yeah, you, you get to actually, you know, play and do, you get to do some things, right. um, which is good. But the ending we have for her is really depressing and it's tough to try and weigh that yeah, against yeah but true. so are all the male endings so is everything you do with the, the yeah. man um and I, that's true uh but it does feel like she falls into a lot of kind of more conventional tropes um she'll become the damsel in distress if she gets married yeah. off or she dies um in a sense it's elevated in that she gets ned stark's death right she gets a hero's death mm -hmm. so there, there's something nice to that um i i thought that it went it went a good direction here for the most part, uh, but I think it's still open to critique. Yeah, I think some of that can be kind of shrugged off to the world that they live in. And there really is only right. so much agency that a woman can have in that world. Right. Um, and obviously they can break those rules too. the writers of the story, but Telltale specifically can't. Right. Um, and I'm sure there's other ways they could have made her a stronger character or have a little bit more independence or um, and not fall into those tropes as much. But uh, I think they did a good job of presenting a character that was a woman, but didn't fall into here's all the stereotypes that a woman in video games has, which I enjoyed. Right. I totally agree. Uh, I did. So I did play the game twice. Uh, and the second time or the first time through, I was like, oh, Tyrion's going to help me out. I'll be buddies with him. And then in episode three, the purple wedding happens <laughs> and they take Tyrion away. Or episode yeah. four, maybe it was. They take Tyrion away to the stocks or whatever because he, they, you know, they accuse him of killing Joffrey. So yeah. next time I played, I was like, oh, maybe I won't be friends with Tyrion. I'll do everything in my story as Mira to be like, I don't want your deal. I, I'll do it on my own. I'll kill whoever I have to kill, but I don't want to do the Iron Ironwood decree with you. Yeah, ninety five percent of the story was the same. Yeah, maybe ninety nine percent. It it hurt a lot to have um, Lady Marjorie betrayed by me. To be dismissed from her service. But even then, like, when I refused every advance from him, he even yeah. wanted to drink wine with me. I was like, no, no, I don't want to drink any wine. I have to go. Like, every time he talked to me, I tried to be like, I'm good. He came up to me right before the Purple Wedding started. And he's like, Lady Mira, that decree's on my desk. And Marjorie, like, glares at me. And I was like, I don't know what he's talking about. I don't want to talk to you. He's like, yeah. please, can I have a word with your handmaiden? I was like, no, no, don't let him take me. <laughs> yeah. Just being super rude. And still, she was just as pissed at me, didn't let me go to the wedding, and I still had to, like, go into his room and get the stupid decree. The, Even though I didn't make is, a deal with him. Right. So where is it, the decree coming from? Right. Why do you know these things? Just offering it. Um, yeah. The, uh, the funny thing is I've, you know, watched the show. I've read the books. Yeah. Um, and so I'm sitting there. I'm at the Purple Wedding. 
I know what's going to happen. Totally, totally. And this whole time I've been like butting up to Tyrion and being like, yeah, we're going to, it's going to work out. And then he's like, hey, can I steal your handmaiden for a second? And I'm like, oh yeah, I I think Marjorie's mad at me. I just got to commit. And then as soon as I committed, I was like, oh no, I know what's going to (laughs) happen. Oh, this isn't great. Totally. What? Yeah, this is going to end poorly. All right, so... All of the changes in um, Amir's story was basically the same, but um, in episode six with Asher and Roderick specifically led me, well, led you, you asked me, I think as soon as we finished the game, you're like, what are they going to do in season two? How are they going to do this? Because are they just going to pick another, are they going to go to what bear Island or whatever? And like pick on other characters that the books have barely touched, or are we going to continue to be the forest? Maybe, maybe you already have the lady. Would you play the Lady Liana game? <laughs> Lady Liana Mormont. Oh my gosh, that'd be awesome. That would be pretty sweet. Uh, but maybe we'll be White Hills. Oh. Maybe we back Oof. up the story to the same time, or maybe 30 years wow. before, and we find out that the yeah. Foresters were the ones who were being bastards yeah. to us. Like, yeah. There are, but so the initial question you had was like, what do we do if you saved Asher and I save Roderick, or the other way around? Like, yeah. Who are we in the next game if it continues from that point? And I have no idea. But I yeah. Mean, I'm sure it'll be a fun game. This this first one was. Any final thoughts on the gameplay? Uh, well, just in terms of sequels, yeah, uh, yeah. from what I can tell online, it it doesn't look like one's going to happen. Uh, they already announced. Telltale, it. sir. Oh, they did. Yeah. Oh, when? Telltale confirms Game of Thrones season two, November twentieth, two thousand fifteen. Yeah, but there's been no updates since then, and so it it's looking like it might not happen. I haven't heard anything about development since then. Um. Oh, interesting. But. But I, I could be wrong. Okay. Uh, maybe okay. people are work at hard at work on it. Uh, maybe a Telltale person could could weigh in here. Happy to happy to listen to you if anyone's listening. Looking at you, Jason Martino. Um, that's that's right. Shout out, shout out, Ryan Kaufman. <laughs> shout out to another person who doesn't you. listen to our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> shout out to you, George Lucas. You're listening, right? We just go right to the top. You know. Shout out <laughs> to just saying names, CEOs. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, JJ Abrams, put him, put us in the next movie. Come on. I don't know if he works at Telltale. Um, I, I think I'm, I've gotten I've gone up to Star Wars movies gotcha. now. I'm there. I, I'm if I'm not settling. I love Telltale and all, but come on, gone put up me in a Star, to Star Wars, Wars movie. Okay, yeah, yeah. Fair. They, I'm, were first. I'm gonna, they were. I'm going to weigh in. <laughs> I, I love Telltale and all, but uh, you think Star Wars is a more important property than Telltale games? Wow. I, I'm sorry. Wow. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't even know Spit why we went down this rabbit hole. So yeah, season two would be great if it happened. It. They've already done a season two of Walking Dead. Working on a season yeah. three. They've done a bunch of sequels already. So I. It'd be weird if they didn't. It seemed like that would be outside their control if it didn't. If for whatever reason yeah. HBO or um, Kerr Martin were upset with the game or or couldn't find a story for them to tell, maybe that's why. But it seems like they set it up for a sequel very intentionally, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I, it 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 was a cliffhanger. You want to yeah. know what's going to happen? Yeah. It's not yeah. a satisfactory ending, um, but it definitely it was an ending that worked. That's fair. Wow, that wasn't great. All right, I think it's time. This game's pretty fun with frustration. When I was all done, I just had to question what's the beer, what's the song. I can't always tell. I just want to know what game is Westy 12. Yeah. Yeah, I chose moonshine today for my beers. Um, yeah, yeah. So you have your your game and your your beer and your song picked out. Uh, for my beer, 
I went with a non-beer. Fascinating. Uh, I went with lemonade. Grew it. Okay. Grew it. Um, <laughs> okay. Oh, that's that's a kind of beer. Exactly. It's it's a medieval beer. Um, but not mead. That, but but not mead. Okay. No. Tell me why. I didn't go mead. Um, I really wanted something wacky and and out there okay. that uh, you didn't necessarily have access to and that would, would speak of uh, kind of the character of the show and mm. the game. Um, but also, I, I you know I always try and think of the metaphor here, which is. It's it's kind of this thing, but it's not quite. Gruet is kind of a beer, right. but it's not quite. Oh, that's true. Uh, yeah. I believe it doesn't include hops. It instead includes lots of herbs and spices right. um, to to cover up for the lack of hops. Um, and so, uh, Game of Thrones, Telltale game. It's kind of Game of Thrones, but not quite. <laughs> nice. It's so ki- it's kind of a video game, but it's also kind of a TV show. Kind of just so, a show. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So for mine, I went with kind of the main. Uh, Ideas around it were fun game, pricey, felt like it didn't have a lot of control, kind of addicting. So there's okay. a high level of alcohol okay. in there. Uh, sure. Obvious choice was Amagong's Game of Thrones series of beers, which if you haven't oh, right. had any of those, go out and try Stellar. to find them. They're Stellar all really work. good. They have six or seven beers, all based on Game of Thrones characters and ideas and, and books. Uh, but yeah, those are good. I wanted to dig a little deeper, though. So I went, I went into the cellar in my basement. And I got a. Uh, I went with a kind of expensive when I got it three years ago, two years yeah. ago, uh, and it's it's got a high ABV, thirteen and a half percent. Wow! Uh, and it's wow. Firestone Walkers Sakaba, which is not succuba, Ooh. but it's no. actually ag- abacus backwards. Oh! Because they came out with an abacus beer, and there was a lawsuit, so they just flipped it on its head. Uh, but yeah, nice. this is a really really heavy barley wine. I went with it because it was dark, expensive. And it's going to last me a long time. Yeah. 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 That definitely fits the show yeah, and the game. So. Yeah. All right. What's your song? Uh, my song. And, you know, you just mentioned you don't want to hit the nail on the head too hard with the Omegon Game of Thrones series. But um, did you go with the on, Game of the Thrones Bear theme song? No, it's the Bear and the Maiden Fair. Come on. Oh, nice. He lifted her high in the air. He sniffed and roared and smelled her there. She kicked and wailed and made so fair. But he licked the honey from her hair. From there to here, from here to there, all black and brown and covered with hair. He smelled that girl in the summer air. The bear, the bear, and the maiden fair. Telltale is the bear, and Game of Thrones is no. Nah, this isn't working. No, no, no. <laughs> right, it's, it's it's just you know a song that, that is from it that uh, I wanted to play here. Nice, I like it. Uh, I went with something that not maybe that obvious. <laughs> it's not from the TV show <laughs> itself. <laughs> Uh, but I went with Big Egos by Dr. Dre and Hitman off the classic 2001, one of my favorite songs. Nice. Uh, and it's basically because that's what most of the warfare and death and marriage and everything that happens in Game of Thrones yep. is based off of titles and egos and pride. So, yeah. I got more class than most of them, ran with the best of them, forgave the less of them and the rest of them. Can I say California? It reminds me of being in high school and just like rolling down the street in my 86 Oldsmobile and just blasting oh, yeah. 2001. Like just the whitest little kid in the world. It's good times. Good, good times. Good times. Good right. times. So I think it is now time. Oh, we don't have a next month song. <laughs> it's now time to make a bump for what are we playing next month? Which, what are we playing next what month? What are we playing next month? Uh, we've talked, we've gone back and forth on this. But we've see, we've steered, we've stored, 
We've, we've stored, stored, st- stared. We've steerinated far too off the path of LucasArts. <laughs> so we're getting back to our roots and we're going to go back to another Star Wars game. Our third Star Wars game. Hooray! Of the year. No, our fourth, because we had Rebel Assaults 1 and 2. 1 and 2. So what Star Wars game is it going to be? It's going to be fan favorite X-Wing. Yes. So um, we're pretty excited about this. Um, I'm going to have to go get a joystick at some point to really play this well. Yeah, totally. Um, and figure out how to install it and everything. But uh, I remember loving X-Wing when I was growing up. And I know it's one of those games I can geek out on and play to completion, play every little you know, corner of it and find all the different stuff and spend 40 hours on it. Or what I'm probably going to do is find my way through the main story, play some stuff, shoot some TIE fighters, and uh, feel awesome about it. Yeah, so we'll be playing that the next month. Uh, feel free to check out our website, our adventures, and to kind of find out where you can download that yourself and play it along with us. Uh, but yeah, I think that's about all we have. One quick thing that we need to touch up before we talk about how you should go to our website, menoflowmoralfiber.com, and our Instagram, our Facebook, and Twitter. All the links are there. Uh, you should follow us and like our pages and all that stuff that makes us feel good in our hearts. Is we have a giveaway, which I don't know if you yeah. know this, Jay. Did you know? Did no, I, you I didn't. I, I just. Did you see how agreeable <laughs> I was, though? Yes, I did. I we like do. That. It's a car. We're giving ben away Jason. It. No. Oh. <laughs> well, we uh, we are big fans of Mr. Robot around here. Yeah. And not quite enough to make a connection and do a side quest on it. Although we do love the show, uh, but we do have some uh, some Mr. Robot themed men of low moral fiber designs that we've created, and we have a mug. That we'll be giving away. I'll put pictures when we post this episode so you can go to our website to see them. Uh, And we'll be giving that away on the night of the finale, which I believe is September 14th, right? September 14th, Wednesday. Watch the episode. Um, As soon as the episode airs, uh, and actually you can start this. Wait, can they start before? Yeah, they can start. As soon as you hear this. As soon as you hear this, uh, tweet at us. Say whatever you want. Make it clever. And put in there, hashtag... Hello, friend. I like it. Um, so if you tweet anything at us and have that hashtag in it, you'll be entered into the draw and we'll announce who won the night of the premiere because uh, we really want to distract from that premiere. We need focus on us. We don't want you thinking about Mr. Yep. Robot. Uh, we're very yep. important. Yep, exactly. And as long as we're talking about this, we should mention that there's a brand new Telltale video game downloadable for phones nice. themed on nice. Mr. Robot. Um, and nice. we haven't played it yet. I'm so stoked about it. Um, so just downloaded it and, uh, who knows, there might be a side quest in the future, at least an adventure that we write up on it. Wow. So we were looking for, for months, we've been looking for a connection from Mr. Robot to LucasArts yeah. and Telltale just went out and made one. They did it. They, they listened to the podcast. They knew <laughs> what we were really after. Nice of them. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, anything else you got? I got nothing. All right. Just, uh, again, thank you to all the people that have been downloading and listening and tweeting at us and all that stuff. Uh, really glad you're enjoying the show. Yeah. Uh, if you're not enjoying the show, thanks for not letting us know because I haven't really heard much negative feedback yet. And and I've got a really fragile ego, so I really appreciate it. <laughs> don't tell us. No, don't tell me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So thanks again. As always, I have been Ben. I will be Jason. And I am a mighty pirate. Iron from ice. <laughs> exactly. 